Sugar Baker Podcast Maker, the food podcast series where we get to know a little bit more about the foods people enjoy, from recipe favourites to biscuit chat. So, Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Jemima, thank you so much for having me. Like that's, it's really, I was really honoured that you invited me. Uh, yeah, I'm Stephanie Marshall. I am the owner of Treehouse Bakery, uh, which is my little business that makes vegan baking kits for your eco-friendly sweet tooth. So what I do is I pack all the ingredients you need to bake a delicious recipe into eco-friendly packaging and it gets shipped off to your house with the recipe and everything you need so it just makes baking easy and accessible and fun and it's amazing so everyone should check out treehouse bakery right now and the link will be in the description so you don't even have to search anything thank you (laughs) okay now for some food questions Mm -hmm. so what did you have for supper last night Last night I had uh, Wicked Kitchen's chorizo-style sausages and hot dogs. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I say, because, you know, I just mentioned, like, my business is focused on vegan baking. And, like, we, me and my family, what we say is, like, we're at-home vegans. So we Mm -hmm. vegan 90% of the time um, and, well, 100% of the time at home and then just sort of, are lax with the rules when we're outside of the house um so yeah wicked kitchen is like i'm sure everybody knows it it's like a vegan range um and yeah it was my husband's pick actually these chorizo sausages oh, really um they wouldn't i prefer like a classic sausage if i'm honest and i've had like the the plant-based sort of like cumberland sausage sort of things whereas i found this a bit weird because it's like in it's not a treat so it's not like a hard sausage mm. it's like a classic English sausage but with basically with paprika in it I don't know it was weird it was, it was nice <laughs> it's fine I would eat it again but probably not my first choice <laughs> well I mean I I eat meat so I haven't I haven't had the pleasure of trying Wicked Kitchen but everyone I know that is vegan likes them so yeah yeah they do good stuff and honestly like I would I would recommend like trying some plant-based sausages because we've come a long way from Linda McCartney. Like Linda McCartney yeah. is great. And like, she's got her place and those things in your freezer are fine, but they're not really sausages. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like all the supermarkets now have that plant-based aisle and the plant-based sausages on that aisle, like they're really good. Um, and there's many that you wouldn't even know. You would like cook and serve to guests and people would just be like, yeah, this is sausage. Like That's you would amazing. not know the difference. So give it a go. Yeah, I will make a swap. I'll let yeah. you. <laughs> okay, so what was your favourite kind of food while you were growing up? I'm a massive sweet tooth, so it was always just like anything sweet. <laughs> Although I'm not really into like sweeties and candy and that sort of stuff, I'm definitely into like baked goods and chocolate. Anything chocolate, same. I will eat. Um, but yeah, as a kid, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen baking, um, and yeah. Anything I could bake was excellent. <laughs> That's amazing. Me too. I, I love baking. I mean, I still love baking. It's one of my favorite things um, ever. But when anyone talks about their childhood and baking, I'm like, same. Exactly the same. It's just so fun. And when you're little, you just you can't believe it. You're like, yeah, I've made this cake. And you're just yeah. so proud of yourself. And it's so. Oh. Yeah. For sure, for sure. I always had that feeling of like telling people like, I made this. It was like (laughs) excessive pride. And it's funny because like, I think as adults, we almost go the other, like the complete other way. So like now people are like, oh my God, you made this. I'm like, oh yeah, it's dead easy. Like, don't worry about it. I just always like downplay my baking now. Whereas as a kid, I was just so proud of everything I made. And it was also just like being able to be in the kitchen and it feels kind of grown up, doesn't it? Like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm doing like real things that real people are going to eat. It's not, it's not just like Play-Doh or Barbies. It's like real, real stuff. I think that's maybe why I liked it. It made me feel like a grown up. Oh, 
Yeah, I completely get what you mean now, because, you know, when you make a somewhat complicated bake, even though to you it's not complicated, but you've put a lot of love and time into it and someone goes, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe you made this. This is lovely. Like, I know you, you're good at baking, but this is amazing. And then, as you said, as adults, we just go, yeah, nothing. I mean, oh, yeah, they're nice, aren't they? But you never say, yeah. oh, yeah, no, I did I did research this recipe, I did try, and I thought, oh, I wasn't sure about it, but I'm really happy with the result. We completely yeah. downplay it now, don't we? But. Yeah, I think I think like we're just at this sort of point in culture where it's starting to become acceptable again, just to say like, okay, I'm proud of myself. Like, yeah. yes, I've done this good thing and I'm proud of it. Um, but we don't always feel comfortable that way. And it kind of depends who's around. And Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, right, so it's, we a, need it's to, an interesting one. to rewire our brains, be like, yeah, I did actually For do sure. this, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think baking as well, it's like, it's, it's something, it is something to be proud of because I think a couple of things that go into it, like you say, it's such an enjoyable experience. It's such a sensory experience that taking some time to like be in the kitchen and go through the process and like follow a recipe, that is self-care. Definitely. maybe not for everybody but for people who enjoy it like that is self-care and then like you put love into it and it comes out and you finish whatever you're baking you put you know frosting on the top or you decorate your cookies or whatever it is and you put love into it and then to like offer it to somebody else now you've had self-care you've had like creativity and passion into something and now you've had generosity like offering it to your friend like generosity and love like giving it to somebody else right why shouldn't we all stand up and be like, yeah, I'm really proud of this process. Like I've just ticked like all the boxes of life goals. hundred percent. Right. That's we're reframing it. We're going to take it back. We're going to say everyone, I did make this and I'm actually quite chuffed with myself. Baking is self-care. <laughs> it is 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, I my next baking. advertising campaign, watch out for it. <laughs> oh, it is 100%. When when you're in the kitchen on your own, the music is playing really loudly. You're singing your heart out, having a little dance while stirring something. Self-care. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to bake now. <laughs> okay, so what is your current favourite kind of food? This might be a little bit broad. I'm not sure if this really answers your question, but I just love like anything that's like picky bits so like tapas or meze or dim sum or like any kind of genre of food like that where you can like look at a menu and order 15 different things yeah (laughs) that is my favorite I like sharing sharing food is always my favorite the fact that you just have like a table like full of lots of stuff and every bite is totally different and yeah I love that (laughs) agreed I mean, there are certain friends who don't share food, aren't there? But then when you're with your friends that love to share food, it's amazing because we can go, yes, we, we're going to order this, 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 and this. And yes. are you sure? Are you sure? Yes, we are. Of course we yes. are. We're going to eat all of this. You watch. Yes. I, literally, that is always, always me at any of those kinds <laughs> of restaurants. Like when you order and they're like, um, is it just two of you? And we're like, yeah, it's just two of us. Yeah. And they're like, Mm, this might be a bit much yeah uh, no challenge <laughs> you hold accepted. your words <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's funny because like when I first started dating my husband like he wasn't it's not that he wasn't into sharing food but I think like the culture of sharing food wasn't like super common to him and his family mm-hmm. in general are like not like oh, they're very generous but they're not like sharing food kind of culture and yes. when I like I literally share everything my family is like the complete opposite we're like the kind of thing where we'd go out to a restaurant everybody orders their own dish it comes you get to take the first bite but then it's like okay pass your plate to the left and like everybody gets to <laughs> until it goes around until you get yours back and we just all share all the time everything um so yeah I'm that person that like on the second day it was like sticking my hand into his plate to like taste bits of his food and he was like <laughs> uh I'm not sure if this is okay 
um but you know what I converted him and now he's a big sharer and we always order stuff together and it's that thing of like we look at a menu and going like okay what are we gonna have rather than like (laughs) what am I gonna have what are you gonna have yeah yeah agreed yes um my family is very similar to yours and we share everything I mean we have dietary requirements but other than that yeah we share most things so for example when we go to an Israeli place or a tapas place we're like mm-hmm. there's so much to choose from yes. and it's just amazing yes I agree picky food nice. for the win oh you just said Israeli and now I'm like my mouth is watering for <laughs> really good hummus yeah oh like a really lush hummus plate with like all the toppings oh yum yeah Okay, that's what I want for dinner now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what is your current favourite place or restaurant to eat at? So I have got a two-year-old. So going out to restaurants is not always easy. But we've started a little habit. Um, It's kind of come up by accident where... (laughs) like on a Sunday afternoon like after lunch we'll go to the pub and she, she actually really likes it she thinks it's like a treat to go to the pub and she's always really well behaved like she thinks it's fun and she kind of and gets involved in the conversation and she's not like whiny like okay mommy what's coming next and uh, <laughs> like I say we'll usually go after lunch so we will just get either like snacky bits or we'll just order dessert um, and it's just very relaxed and easy and I'm, it's one of those like eating out experiences where I'm not, I'm not currently like constantly like fussing over my kid and going like, mm. okay, like sit down and stop making a mess and don't touch this and eat your food and don't go over there. And no, you can't climb up that wall or, you know, um, it's just, it's just chill and easy and like, it's a pub. So yeah, we'll order, often we'll order dessert and it's just like classic pubby things, um, chocolate brownie sticky toffee pudding that kind of thing classic it's nice yeah that is so lovely what a fun afternoon it's the perfect afternoon really when it works out it doesn't happen every Sunday but when it works out it's great if someone said right we're going to the pub and we're going to order pudding I'd be like right I'm coming (laughs) yeah it's great (laughs) that's amazing I love that okay so what kind of food did you used to dislike, but now you do like? This is a very um, vegany one, but tofu. Okay. Yeah. I think I, like, in my family, we would have never have had tofu and cooked it at home. It just, it just wasn't a thing. Um, and I think often, like, my experience of tofu was, like, as, like, little bits when you get, like, fried rice from a Chinese or... Mm-hmm like not necessarily the best way to eat tofu and for me it was always just like oh like what is this spongy filler gunk let's pick around that and eat the food that I actually like Um, but when you are cooking and eating vegan at home it's hard to avoid tofu and in the last like 12 months I'd say it's like between my husband and I we've We've done it enough times where we've like worked out nice ways to cook it, nice ways really? to flavor it, nice ways to like, yeah, get it to be a really nice thing to eat. And it's funny because that's also like one of Ingrid's favorite things. She loves really? tofu. If I tell her we're having tofu for dinner, she's like, yes. And she just <laughs> wolfs it down. She eats all of hers like in like two seconds. And then she looks at my plate and goes, mommy, can I have your tofu? <laughs> Oh, so yeah amazing. It's, it's something that I've really learned to love like yeah in the last like 12 to 18 months I would say that is so interesting I mean I personally am still on the fence about tofu I don't know if it's a texture yeah. thing um because I understand if you flavor it well and season it and mm-hmm. apparently it's lovely but I just I, I need I need all the help I can get with coming around to yeah. liking tofu but. so well I'll tell you like my sort of two favorite ways to do it is like one like if I'm doing it on a stir fry um mm. I and you want it to be like crunchy and crispy and that sort of like 
you have to press it and get all the water out of it and then dry it and let it get really dry and cut it into cubes. And then I just bread it in like seasoned flour. So I just use regular plain flour with like heaps of salt and then just kind of whatever seasonings I'm feeling at the moment. It might be a little cumin, it might be some herbs, that sort of thing. You dust it in the flour and then deep fry it, which like right. who doesn't love anything deep fried? Like you kind of already sold me with the idea yeah. of deep frying it. Yeah. And then it's so crunchy and nice on the outside. And then the inside's just like this soft little pillow. And yeah, it just, it tastes of whatever seasonings you've put in the batter. Like it's so nice. And then I think that works really well, like on top of a stir fry. So I'll never cook it like in with the vegetables and noodles. I'll always keep it separate and like crispy and then just sort of toss it on at the end and like top it with a dressing or a sauce or whatever. So that I think is really nice. And then the other way I think is really nice that keeps it it's like a completely different texture where it's like silky and um, yeah, like marshmallow almost, but not not with the chew, but just that really silky smooth kind of texture is I'll um, still press it and dry it and all that sort of stuff, but then marinate it in like a Asian dressing. So mm-hmm. like a mix of soy sauce. Um, what's it? There's like a rule for Asian, isn't it? It's like salty, sweet, spicy and sour. Yes. Yes. So makes those four things in whatever very like whatever is hanging around in the cupboard that fits those four um those four things and marinate it in that and then cook it like in a stew or in a curry or something like that so that it's cooked wet rather than um rather than like deep frying so it goes dry and then it's just so like silky and soft but you have to really marinate it in the soy sauce for a long time but yeah those are my two recommendations for tofu that's that's I've been converted on those, so give them a go. I think I will. I, I'm going to have to. Um, when you were talking about how make, how you make the um, tofu silky, it reminded me of a mob kitchen recipe where they use tofu to make a vegan um, chocolate mousse. Oh, yeah. So that is silken tofu, which is different to like... Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, honestly, again, don't be like, I did not know this until <laughs> like the last. So months. much, so much um, to learn about vegan cooking. But it's different. Like, um, so firm tofu you get like in the refrigeration section. So you get it yeah. like maybe on your meat or milk aisle. Um, and yeah, it's chilled and it is firm. It, it almost looks like feta cheese when you get it out of the pack. It's like that. Crumbly. Oh, yeah texture but silken tofu you get on the like on the dry aisle on the ingredients like it's probably near your coconut milk and your soy sauce and stuff like that and it comes in a um in a what do you call it like a uht pack and it's much softer it's more like the texture of cream cheese which is why it's used okay in desserts a lot so you can use it to make like i have used it to make sauces and it's okay um so you like blitz it down and it does yeah like the texture of cream cheese um but then it's also just a really good protein source. So that's probably what you've seen in vegan mousses, yeah. mousses and desserts. I like uh, cheesecake. Anytime you see vegan cheesecake, they've probably used silken tofu. Interesting. I think I might need to try that at some point because I am terrified of cooking with tofu, but now I've been converted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely give silken tofu a go because... It's not a very strong flavor and you can just mix whatever into yeah. it. Um, and yeah, make make a dessert with it. I feel yes. like if you pile a bunch of like chocolate and sugar into it, like how could it possibly taste bad? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know yeah. if it's a disaster. <laughs> I mean, don't hold me to that. That is not I, an official recipe. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I won't blame you. I'll just tell you my updates. I'll be like, right, well... <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, I wish you luck. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so what is your current favourite vegetable? Broccoli. I love broccoli. Me too. It is the best. It is so good. It's so versatile. It lasts ages in the fridge. Like, it's just the best. I love broccoli. Broccoli with everything. With everything. Always. And People forget to put it in their stir fries. And I'm like, you're missing out. It's nah, great. It's, for me, it's not a stir fry if it doesn't have broccoli in it. <laughs> great. Words to live by. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming up with loads of them. <laughs> I know. It's great. Um, okay. So in your opinion, what is the most overrated food? 
sushi I'm really yeah it's funny because actually sushi comes into that category of like little bits and sharing which I said I really mm-hmm. like um but yeah sushi I am no totally overrated I just feel like it's really expensive you never full and most of the time it just kind of tastes of nothing in my humble opinion I know there'll be <laughs> so many haters so many people who are like what are you talking about it's amazing <laughs> I get it but it's just not for me totally overrated sushi well, fair enough. I I'm not a massive sushi fan because I don't I don't eat the fish sushi, so I only eat veggie sushi. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not that much choice. But my family loves sushi, so yeah. It's very People go mad for it. This is I thing. know it's such a big thing. I just find it so meh. Yeah, I like agree. If, like any time I'm sort of. Um, like corralled into going to like a sushi restaurant, like a proper Japanese place. It's like, I'll always be like, okay, is there something else on the menu? Like, can I order like a noodle dish or like something else that's not sushi? (laughs) And I'll I'll eat that instead while everybody else has sushi. (laughs) (laughs) Good plan. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think is an underrated food? So (sighs) I don't know what, like I kind of struggled we're thinking of something for this but what I've come up with is brownies so I think brownies have this rap for being like basic you know um just oh it's just a brownie or just everyday plain old brownies but first of all brownies are not that easy to make like they're amazing they're it's easy to screw them up when you're making yeah You you have to get it right so a well done brownie is is remarkable and it is something to celebrate and also definitely brownies are good and it's not underrated in the sense like people don't like them obviously everybody loves a chocolate brownie but I just feel like it is seen as basic and um often like overlooked on a dessert menu as well you know you go oh it's just the brownie I won't order just the brownie um I did a I did a this or that on my insta stories a while ago and i had like sticky toffee versus chocolate brownie and sticky toffee got like 96 percent or something and i'm like you guys are missing a trick like for me it's very tight that race i do love a sticky toffee but (laughs) but this is what i mean is brownies are underrated it should have been a closer call in my opinion i think Maybe if you'd have put brownies and blondies together, the yeah. brownies would have been higher. But yeah, I agree with you. Both of them are amazing. And it is really easy to bake them wrong. As in, yeah. if they're slightly underdone, they're just yeah. slightly overdone. You're just like, but... I think if you make a brownie too sweet as well, it becomes like... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm like um like sticky almost you can like feel the sugar in your teeth and it's really quite unpleasant so you've got to get like the right the right balance of it being bitter but not too bitter and and yeah getting the right bake do you remember that season of bake-off when they had to make brownies and literally like I think it was last season it was the signature round and they had to make brownies and basically everybody failed it was like 10 of what is supposed to be the country's best bakers and they just all did rubbish because it is hard to make brownies yes I agree they are and it is when you have a perfect one Mm -hmm. rave about it and you know that recipe inside and out you're like right that's my go-to but until you find that there's so many you have to try yeah recipes so I completely agree and I now think that we should also bake brownies yes (laughs) my brownie kit is tried and tested you're gonna get it right (laughs) great love that honestly I worked really hard to come up with this brownie recipe it's been in development for probably my entire life and when I got the recipe right it is it is right it is good and I love I love it. I love it so much. Every time I make it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I forgot how good these brownies are. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yes, the uh, the best vegan brownie that I've tried recipe-wise so far that's not been in a kit um, was the Finch Bakery one. Okay, I don't know. I'm not familiar. 
Um, and I don't know if whether you will try that one or not. But yeah, it's, I'll give um, it a go. Yeah, it's a vegan one. And because I've I've spoken many times about how my mother can't eat eggs. So um, she hadn't had a brownie in years because obviously, I mean, unless someone's made it specifically on a menu, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have had one. So I got the Finch Bakery cookbook a few months ago and I have been obsessed ever since. Um <laughs> And there was a vegan brownie recipe in it. I was like, oh, I'll try it. If it's a fail, I know it's a fail and I've done it. But the texture and the flavour was completely the same as my classic favourite Nigella recipe. Excellent. Very good. I was so impressed. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, right, well, game changer. Yeah, it is so good when you find something like that, isn't it? Now that's... That is great. I think what I always struggle with with vegan uh, brownie recipes is so often they're like, okay, start with a banana. And I'm like, no, I don't want banana in my brownie. Yeah, there, or, was, there was or courgette or beetroot or whatever. And it's just like, no, no, I just want a brownie. Yes. And that's uh, what I had been yeah. thinking about for years. So, yeah. Agreed. That's why I love I'm that. glad. I'm glad you found a good one. I'll have to try it, Finch. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so who is your current favourite chef? I really, really do not know how to answer this. I don't <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. As I said, like with a two-year-old, it means that, first of all, the only thing that is ever on my TV is CBBs <laughs> and we never go out to eat. So I'm sort of like, I don't know. Like, can I say my husband? Because he cooks me dinner most nights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's my current favourite chef. He's the person who cooks for me the most. Great answer. <laughs> I mean, his stuff's not available outside of my home, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know. We might drop his recipes soon. You'll be posting them online. I know, right? So <laughs> Well, thank you for that. I'm sorry. That was like a real cop-out of an answer. But... It wasn't. It really wasn't. I don't know. It's just because I'm always on my all of my social media is food so yeah I just see stuff all the time or I have a new cookbook that I'm obsessed with so it will be but that's why I have to say current chef yeah because it changes every week yeah so. it does. that's true okay so what was the last cookbook or recipe you enjoyed using um okay because I've given you a cop out on the last one I've got two answers <laughs> for this one so it's it's not necessarily a new book. It's been out for maybe like five or six years. But Rick Stein's India is oh, yeah. it's a classic. It's so good. And I'll tell you, I was very skeptical. I was like, why would we get an Indian cookbook by like a white dude? Like why? Why would I do that? Um, but we were given it as a gift. And it is so good. Yes, it's by Rick Stein and like, Yes, I suppose he's written all the recipes, but it's not like he hasn't come up with the recipes. Like he went to India and he went all over the place. And like the, what's such good quality about it is like the intro to every recipe says like, oh, I went to this restaurant and spoke to this person. And she told me that this is how she cooks this thing. And this is the person who taught her how to do it. And this is where she picks the vegetables that go into it and stuff like that. So every recipe has such a nice story. And I've cooked probably 80% of the recipes out of that book, which wow. is rare for a cookbook. That isn't is it? Rare. Like you often get a cookbook and you cook like three things maybe, but most recipes are so approachable, so easy. Well, not easy, but approachable and like, yes, they're well explained. So you feel like you can do it. And the results are amazing. And yeah, I really rate that cookbook. It's a very, very good one. I don't think that we have that one. So I might honestly, like, because it's a few years old now, like you can find it in charity shops and stuff. Um, so you can get, a, you can get it for a bargain. But I would say like whatever it is online, you can probably get it for like 10 or 12 quid. It is worth it. It's so worth it. it, is, it if you like Indian food, if you like curries in Indian, it is really good. And then also it's the veggie section is definitely the biggest section in the book. But even like a lot of the 
um, meat recipes. Like the other day we made uh, the korma, which is a, it, it's in the book as a chicken korma, but we just swapped out the chicken for tofu and it works mm-hmm. perfect. Excellent. Not a problem. That's so good. I'm so impressed that you've cooked 80% of a cookbook. That is very rare. Yeah, but it's <laughs> honestly, I wouldn't say that. Don't be impressed with me. Be impressed with the cookbook. It's because it's approachable. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I talk about Mob Kitchen all the time. I mm-hmm. am obsessed. I will just admit that. But I think their cookbooks are so easy especially speedy mob which is my favorite um Mm. and i'm pointing that way because it's literally on my shelf um um, and i use it all the time and so when it comes to people saying oh i'm not a massive cookbook fan because you buy it and you've only got a few recipes you like i won't guarantee i have probably at least 20 that i've done that with yeah but some of them they're classics for a reason well it classics in your brain not for everyone but you know what I mean absolutely no I know what you mean and it's the thing of a like the whole economy of cookbooks is kind of hard isn't it because Mm. if you're um, I'll go back to Rick Stein right Rick Stein's (laughs) India book right so he's writing this book about curries and he's gone to India and he's researched all the recipes, but his publisher and his editor, whatever are like, we cannot publish a book about curries in England that doesn't have chicken tikka masala in it. So you have to put chicken tikka masala in it. But of course nobody makes chicken tikka masala in India. It's an English thing. So, so this is the thing is there is a recipe for that in there, but he talks about, where the inspiration comes from like okay these bits in India that reminded him of it these bits in England where he comes from and he's come up with a recipe for it but then also at the same time it's like is that a new recipe like do we need a recipe for chicken tikka masala is that not just like a standard thing that everybody knows how to make Um, (laughs) and yeah that's I think that's the thing with any kind of cookbook if you're writing an Italian cookbook are you going to put a recipe in it for lasagna yeah like even though everybody has their own recipe for lasagna it's a tough one yeah yeah anyway the second the second book that I want to say is really good is it's a children's book and I think it's called uh it's lunch at I think it's 10 Portobello Road it's lunch at the address I'm going to say 10 Portobello Road it's lunch at 10 Portobello Road if that's not it somebody will google it and find it (laughs) but it is it's a children's book and it's a storybook and the concept is like there is um it's this apartment building and there's all these different apartments with people living in it with from all different places and all different cultures and they're all cooking a dish to serve at like this community lunch like a street party kind of thing and each page is a different recipe but it's told in the way of like a story so it like introduces who the character is um and then it's got this beautiful illustration that gives you an idea of like what their culture is so the only thing I've cooked from it is a Japanese dish um but if you just like imagine the illustration it's like the inside of this apartment and they've got sort of uh like Japanese mats and all this Japanese decoration and uh paintings on the wall and then it's just really beautiful illustrations and then recipes told in a way told like a story um, that is so lovely and then also it's the story about you know community and multiculturalism and it's just a really really lovely book and I would recommend it anybody who has children who like to be in the kitchen it it is very obviously like my kid's only two so a she can't read but it is a picture book so she's quite happy to like look at the pictures and it just made her a bit more engaged um engaged in like actually following a recipe as opposed to just making a mess in the kitchen which she loves to do and it's normally fine but it was good (laughs) that is so interesting I love things like that it's so and it's something different that you can give to your friends that do have children Mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily I mean who doesn't love like a fun book like first thing that came to my brain was cuddly dudley but that just shows my age (laughs) um (laughs) um, but I love things like that because it's definitely something different that I I wouldn't have heard of and now I have so thank you Uh, for that there you go (laughs) you're welcome 
Okay, now for a controversial question. Which is your favourite ring on the hob? Front right. And why? Oh, goodness. I don't know. <laughs> it's at the front, so it's close. And right. I guess, I don't know, on the right, because it's not the smallest, like medium sized. I feel like, okay, you collected a lot of data on this. Like, what is the most <laughs> common answer? Um, I do think it is mostly, well, everyone just goes to the one that's the biggest because it, it's helpful. But I think it is so fun to ask people that question because you all subconsciously, everyone has their favorites yeah. and no one is talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. No one is talking about it. Um, My front right, it's not, it's not the biggest one, but it's not the smallest either. But I like the front ones because I can like reach them to stir. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think front ones for when you're doing involved cooking so if it's a stirring yeah. thing or like chucking stuff in but obviously use the back for pasta and rice and whatever so yeah agreed so thank you for that <laughs> okay on to the final meal questions yes excited <laughs> right so uh, as a as a self-proclaimed veggie and partly vegan, I have gone very not veggie or vegan for this. <laughs> because I'm I'm living in a dream world where there's no ethical there, there's no ethical concerns and you can eat whatever you want and it's not gonna exactly. harm the planet or animals or anything. Right. So I think for starters, I like um, I like sort of like standing starters you know when you're at like a wedding and they're like passing food around like canapes that's what I'm going for but it's going to be dim sum so it's going to be like yeah Chinese dim sum canapes and although it's Chinese we're drinking champagne obviously yes yes I love champagne so good agreed who wouldn't want champagne I know I mean some people but yeah, I suppose some people. And I know, like, listen, I'll drink Prosecco and be very happy with it and, and Cava and whatever else. Uh, but I don't feel like any of them compare to, like, real proper champagne. The closest, actually, the closest ones I've had are, like, English sparklings, which are, oh, yeah. like, are really good. Um, I, well, I've also had kind of rubbish English sparklings, but most of them are good. Tried and um, tested. And... And are close to champagne. Like some like those are the ones that I think you'd get away with like nobody actually knowing the difference. But like Prosecco is pretty distinctive, isn't it? It's like very fizzy. Um, but champagne, yes. So good. So good. Agreed. Right. Any other starters? I think that's so di- this is the thing with dim sum, is like you'll get a whole bunch of stuff. So it's gonna be a mix of like steamed dumplings. So you have those like really pillowy, like those steamed bow, so good. Yeah. And then like um uh gosh what's the word for it like uh gyoza like the pan fried ones that oh, you yeah. get like the crispy outside and then you get like a little bit of chewy dough on the corners that are so nice um and then yeah a whole host of like different flavor different fillings and different like nice spicy and salty dips to dip them into yeah this is the thing is like with dim sum is it's so varied isn't it mm, definitely and i'm not like i'm not very um obviously like I'm not Chinese and I'm not very into Chinese cooking or anything like that so I'm not super knowledgeable on it I'm not like I don't know every different kind but anytime I I'm also the kind of person that just goes to a menu and be like I'll have one of everything (laughs) and then I don't necessarily know what it is that I've ordered but I eat it and I love it but oh dumplings that's so fun yeah (laughs) so that's that's starters and that's standing and mingling and laughing and having a nice yeah. time and being glamorous and yeah that is starters but then when it's time for the main course we need to sit down get okay. cozy and comfy and um okay this is a little bit of a story but I went to before before I had a baby oh, John and I went to Florence for like a holiday that was like our best holiday ever and we we're out like in the middle of the countryside in Chianti and somebody actually somebody when we were in I say Florence Tuscany that we went to Tuscany but where we we're in Florence somebody in Florence recommended to us oh if you're going out into Chianti then you should go to this place which has an excellent steak it's the best bistecca Fiorentina that is 
you've got to go there. And so she gave us the name of the place and we looked up and uh, we've got sat nav in the car in Italy in a country that we don't really know and unfamiliar with. And we're driving there for dinner and I swore we were going to like drop off the side of the earth. We were in the middle of nowhere, absolutely nowhere. It was pitch black. You're going, this is not a road. It was like some semblance of gravel, like trees falling in the road and like just big overgrown bush on either side. And we're driving going like this, we are in the wrong place. We are so lost. But the sat nav says, keep going, keep going, keep going. Go down this like crazy road or a dare jumped in front of us. And we nearly hit it. And it was, oh, it was, it was terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Then this road ends and it's the driveway and this big, massive, like very glamorous Tuscan movie star kind of farmhouse opens up at the end. And then, yeah, this little tiny restaurant in this big glamorous farmhouse that, uh, well, I say tiny, it was probably like 50 tables or so. And, you know, a bunch of like old people serving who probably have been there for decades. And it was lovely. It was, it was dreaming definitely like the thing of dreams but we had a bistecca fiorentina which is a big big steak um with a bone in it and it's they barely cook it they put it on a really hot fire and it gets charred on the outside it's completely rare in the middle and the cows are raised on that farm and they're butchered on that farm and it's like they never leave they're like born there and they grow up there and then they're eaten there which it's a horrible sort of cycle to think about from a vegan perspective but but it's about as vegan it's about as sustainable and ethical I think as meat eating can get yeah um and yeah and the flavor definitely reflects that it's like you, you have this really like crunchy crust on the outside and then the meat is like a really juicy velvet inside. Oh, so good. It is lush. So just this massive steak and some grilled asparagus and nothing else. That is it. amazing. So good. I mean, that adventure sounds epic. <laughs> it, it was pretty epic. And I, I was genuinely terrified. I thought this is this is the end. Like we are lost in the middle. We're going to drive off a cliff and nobody will ever hear from us again. But here I am to tell the tale. Exactly. So what are you drinking with this amazing steak? Well, it's got to be red wine, hasn't it? So uh, I'm a big red drinker, but I mean, in Tuscany, you should be drinking Chianti. Um, but I definitely prefer like a Cab Sav or a Burgundy, mm. like a full-bodied, rich glass of red. Any other mains, or are you okay with that one? I think I think that's that's gonna that's gonna do it. <laughs> In my head, this steak is huge. So it is huge. It is absolutely well. And this is the thing: it's like we ordered it, and um, and because I was pregnant at the time, so technically I'm not supposed to eat like undercooked meat and blah blah blah. I kind of was like, eh, I'll, I'll chance it. She's fine. Uh, but uh, so John was going to eat most of it. And I was just going to have like little tastes like around the edges that were like more cooked. And when we ordered it and we're like explaining to the guy that that's what we're going to do. He was like, no, you can't do that because the steak is huge and you're never going to eat it. And he brought over the raw steak to show us to be like, this is the size of it. And it is like bigger than my head. It is wow. huge. And we were like, no, no, we want it. And we ate all of it. So it's fine. Good. We devoured it. <laughs> Such a fun adventure. Yeah, it was. Okay. So what are you having for your side or sides of choice? Yeah. So sides, I think with a steak, you just need to go super simple. I don't even like potatoes or chips or anything like that. It's just grilled asparagus, a little bit of olive oil, plenty of salt. And that's it. Okay. And what drink are you having with the sides? Oh, we have a different drink for sides? Yeah. Oh my goodness. The dream. I hadn't I hadn't considered this. Maybe just some sparkling water, actually. Yeah, sparkling water. Yeah. Basic, but well, it's not basic, it's fancy. It is fancy. Yeah, I'm going fancy. Yeah. Okay, and 
What are you having for your pudding or puddings of choice? So pudding is I would just go really simple and have a either chocolate or both. I'll have both. I'll have chocolate flavored gelato and a coffee flavored gelato. Super smooth, super creamy, two scoops on a waffle cone. That's it. Simple. Not going to lie. I thought you were going to say multiple puddings. Yeah. Well, I know because I'm a sweet tooth person. But yeah. the thing is, like, I can't help even like, even though this is totally imaginary, I can't help thinking <laughs> about eating all of that food. And then what will you want for dessert? Like after all of that food. And I want to go simple. I yeah. think often when I eat sweets, like my ideal place for like sweet stuff is like that mid-afternoon snack kind of thing where it's kind of it's it's its own meal um and so you start out with an empty stomach and you can like fill up on sweet stuff whereas like after dinner after a meal I never want to eat a huge pudding fair enough I just am greedy so I always do (laughs) I mean go for it (laughs) and what drink are you having with your puddings more pudding I should say um a coffee yeah, a coffee, like uh, um, probably just an espresso, actually. So just an espresso, a really good espresso. This sounds amazing. <laughs> okay, will you be partaking in a cheese board? You know, I'm not, I'm not a cheese board fan. Fair enough. I'm not. And like, I like this thing of like walking away with like the sweet flavor in your mouth rather than mm. salty. Like, I, I don't know, cheese is... Cheese is okay. <laughs> but I'm not ruining my meal by topping it exactly. off with cheese. I know. Sorry. Again, that's the other thing is I'll have people yelling at me for a sushi is so <laughs> overrated and cheese is okay. I feel like I've just broken the hearts of everyone. <laughs> Controversial opinions, right? There. I know. I know. But instead of a cheese board, I'll just have a scotch. Okay. Good plan. Yeah. Yeah. Scotch on the rocks. That's that's a nice way to like close it all off. And that is that was my last question of the final meal. What drink are you having to finish the whole meal? Yeah, scotch scotch? on the rocks. Yep. Lovely. Well, thank you for telling me your dream meal. Sounds incredible. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And what I really enjoyed is in my head, I had loads of different scenarios of you being in different places for the different courses. Yes. Yes, that is, that is, me too, actually. I hadn't (laughs) realised it. (laughs) Okay, now for biscuits of the week. So what biscuits have you been eating this week? So in the biscuit barrel, uh, we've got some hobnobs. Yeah. Just plain old classic hobnobs. Love them. They're good. And what do you rate them out of 10? I think they're a solid 8 out of 10. Like, they're a good, reliable, good biscuit. Yeah. But, but they're not elite level. <laughs> What's elite level, then? Um, it's another controversial one. Although I don't think it should be. It's um, Oreos. Yeah? Yeah. Oreos, yeah. I think, are the best biscuit ever made. Really? Yes. And if, if they're not your favourite, you are wrong. <laughs> That is going to be my favourite thing. I won't publish anything else about the podcast. I'll just be like, this is the only thing Stephanie said yep. on the podcast. Yep. If you don't, if an Oreo isn't your fave, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So an Oreo is a 100 out of 10 then? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. How do you feel about a double stuffed Oreo? Or you prefer the classic? No, too much. They perfected it. <laughs> On the first go, okay? It's, I'm going to get super nerdy now, okay? It's dynamic contrast. There is science behind this. There are several papers, but one in particular, which I will send you the link to so you can put it in the show notes. A scientific paper about why foods with dynamic contrast are the best. So dynamic contrast is a mixture of flavors and um, you know, different, a mixture of textures and then like flavor profiles in your mouth in one bite. So we all know like the, is it five different flavors where you have like sweet, salty, umami, sour, bitter? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Right. 
So you're getting a mix of that um, and then a mixture of textures. So here's what you get with Oreo. You get the bitter, the chocolate biscuits are very bitter. And especially for a biscuit that's sort of marketed towards children, like that is unusual um so you really get that bitter but then the filling is so sweet it's so so sweet to the point that sometimes it is sour like it um it like stings your mouth almost so then you have this in one bite of an oreo you get bitter sweet and like a hint of sour which is incredible like no other biscuit gives you that and then texturally the the chocolate biscuits the bitter biscuits are so crunchy and then the filling is like soft and like melts in your mouth and as you chew it a melt in your mouth is is an important part of an oreo so you get the crunch and then you chew it and it almost like dissolves and it's just so no other biscuit offers the dynamic contrast of an oreo scientifically proven if it's not your favorite you're wrong (laughs) i absolutely love how much research you've done about this it's it's my favorite kind of thing because i i mean we're both foodies obviously but i just love it when people find it so interesting that they do extra research so i'm the same i'm like i'm now obsessed with this thing so i need to know a bit more about it (laughs) I think a lot about Oreos. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yes, I spend a lot of time thinking about them. <laughs> you were talking about um, flavour profiles, and I was just wondering, have you watched the Netflix programme? Um, it came out years ago, um, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by yes. Samin Nosrat. Uh, yes, that's her name. I always forget her name. Um, I haven't watched a whole programme, um, but... I've watched uh, a few of the episodes and yeah, I'm familiar with her as a cook. I've seen like, I've seen her on other bits and she's been on quite a few of like the podcasts, like the foodie podcasts that I like. Um, Yeah, it's good. It's interesting. And yeah, that salt, salt, acid, fat, heat. Yeah. So, so, um, so interesting her way of like breaking down the different ways of cooking and the impact. It's, It's sort of like when that, when that penny drops it's kind of life-changing the way you think about food and cooking and it's like I don't you probably do this as well you know when you're making like a dal or something for supper and you're like "Mm -hmm, this is lovely I'm just gonna put something crunchy on the top Mm -hmm. I always do that Mm -hmm. I have to have different um textures in food yes. and people are like why why are you why are you adding stuff to stuff as what they've just made and I'm like well okay if you don't agree with me just try a mouthful with it yes game changer it's dynamic so, contrast exactly that's what nice. it is okay, yep. well, I've I've learned a lot today <laughs> the science is there to back it up I'm gonna find oh gosh I'm I'm not actually a scientist so I do not actually remember the name of the people who wrote this paper but I do have a link to it somewhere and I will send it to you so we can put it in the show notes I love that thank you <laughs> I also like how passionate you are about Oreos so yeah that's that's my takeaway from this thank whole you. thing but there's there are there are a few outlets where I can gush about Oreos <laughs> unashamedly and this is one of them so thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, well you don't agree with my controversial opinion of I like a double stuffed Oreo which goes against mm-hmm. your whole theory so no. <laughs> anyway moving on um so <laughs> do you have any local uh, shout outs you'd like to give? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I live in Stockport in the Heatons. Um, and uh, I was chatting about it actually with another uh, local business owner uh, who I know is that we're so lucky that we, our high street is just all independence. Like no we way. have other than um other than like supermarkets, like we have a Tesco and a co-op and there's a Boots mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But other than that, all the food and coffee places are all independence we don't have a starbucks we don't have a nero there's no pizza express um so yeah we're really really lucky and and three of them i want to shout out my favorite place is called pokasevsky's um they've also got one in media city i think um but anyway the one on in heat and more is their original it's like a little cafe it's kind of um 
like Middle Eastern Mediterranean kind of food. They also do incredible cakes and their ginger tea is life changing. Really? Yes. So if you're ever in South Manchester, make your way to heat and more, go to Paul Kosevsky's and drink a ginger tea. It is so good. Uh, another one is a little Italian place called Leone's, mm-hmm. um, which I've actually never eaten in there, but sort of uh, during pandemic, I've had takeaway from there quite a few times. And it's just, you know, classic Italian, everything you'd expect to see on an Italian menu, um, really classic, simple pastas and stuff, but really, really excellent. Lovely staff, lovely service. Very good. And then finally, another local independent um, called Roost, which do um, pizzas. So they do oven, oven roasted pizzas. Is that how you say it? Oven fired. How do you say it? Wood fired pizza. Yeah, that, that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah that's again all handmade on site and they do like really interesting kind of flavors on top and they've got gluten-free options and vegan options and again just like really really lovely friendly people like you just feel like you've gone around to a friend's house for dinner when you go there so so lovely love it well thank you so much for those if I'm on my many adventures that I keep saying every time I have recommendations from the podcast. I'm like adding that to the list. And I know. Time- I feel. I feel like it must be harder for you actually because now you're like, okay, I have 500 recommendations of places to go. I mean, it's really good though because, say, for example, someone says, "Oh, we're going to go here," or like name a random city. I'll be like, "Well, I know where we're going for lunch." Yeah, that's a good point. So <laughs> it is really helpful, and I. I say this a lot, but if you don't have a list of like random food places you want to try, whether that's a physical list or one you've just got in your head, you're not really a foodie. And I just, I think it's so fun when people give me yeah. recommendations. So thank you for those. They sound fantastic. And oh. that is amazing that you have so many independent places. Yeah, we're so lucky. So it's actually sadly it's quite rare now so when you said that I was like wow <laughs> it is yeah and it's this kind of thing of like obviously there is turnover of businesses like any mm-hmm. high street and every time I see somewhere close it's like you can almost like hear the whole community just like bracing going like please don't be a Starbucks please don't be a Starbucks please don't be a Starbucks really um so yeah it's just we we've never had a Starbucks we've never had a Pizza Express that is so we're doing all right thing. yeah that is so cool <laughs> yeah. well thank you for those thank you as we are close I mean I don't know how many listeners are going to be happy that I'm going to say this but as we are closely approaching the big Christmas I said the c word everyone um yeah. as we are closely approaching Christmas um do you have any Christmas related things to talk about of course. So massive <laughs> plug here as if I've not been plugging my business throughout. Um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Treehouse Bakery has three special Christmas recipes. So the um, our very underrated brownies. Um, so I've got a Christmas brownie, which I'm calling a Grinch brownie. So, you know, the Grinch had a heart that was two sizes too small. And so we've got chocolate brownies with green Grinch frosting and tiny little hearts on top, which is super simple, but really effective and a great thing to like, um, first of all, a great thing to give as a gift, like as an activity to do, or if you want to bake it yourself and then take the brownies along to a festive party. Like I said, super simple, really effective, very Instagrammable. Um, my second one is a festive fruit and almond wreath, which is like a giant cinnamon roll that's shaped as a wreath. Um, oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> I wish your listeners could see your face right now. <laughs> that is that is the face that I want to sell my wreath. I'll, just, um, I'll take a screenshot. Be like, this is the this is how excited I got. Yeah. I mean, cinnamon rolls were like the bake of the year in 2020, weren't they? So um, go for a throwback. Uh, I still love throwback. 
cinnamon roll. Uh, yeah, full of fruit. It's really, really festive and Christmassy. And then it has uh, marzipan holly as a decoration. Yeah. And, and I love it for like breakfast or brunch. I always cook it for breakfast on Christmas Day because you can sort of like eat it with your hand and we just sit under the tree while we're opening presents and eat right our festive wreath so get it in and you can bake it on christmas eve and just warm it up on christmas morning while you're opening presents um and then finally my big show stopper is we have a bake and build gingerbread house so everybody knows in the supermarket you buy these gingerbread house kits that come like all the gingerbreads already baked and yeah it's like perfect like stepford wife kind of activity yeah. thing going on there and I'm not a fan so I have a uh, gingerbread kit where you're going to bake your own gingerbread from scratch it's obviously vegan so it's friendly for anybody with egg allergies or dairy allergies uh, you bake your gingerbread from scratch you cut out your house you build the house and I've got sweets from another amazing small business called sweet yourself vegan so again, all your classic pick and mix stuff that is vegan friendly. Um, and you can decorate your house with all these sweets and make it look pretty and festive. It's super, super fun for kids, but also super, super fun <laughs> for kids at heart. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm thinking this would be fun anyway. Yes. Yes. The gingerbread house is is the big one it makes honestly it's such a good um it's such a good like pre-christmas gift I think um mm. and it's just like inclusive it's not I think so often you know you have that person that you don't really know that well you don't know what to get and it's often it's like oh I'll give that neighbor like a bottle of wine or a box of biscuits or something like that and this gingerbread house is like around that kind of price point it's not overly expensive um but it's just a bit more unique than a tin of quality streets um and it's a bit more inclusive than booze which not everybody exactly. drinks oh well thank you so much for telling me all about the christmas product <laughs> thank you thank you i i, I hope I, mean, I've, I hope i've sold them because i've sort of done that off the cuff but anyway yeah well I put you on the spot anyway it was because <laughs> I keep seeing the photos on socials and I'm like I would love to know more so I'm just gonna ask <laughs> and this is this is benefiting other people not just me being nosy so really excellent two for one right yeah. <laughs> okay so where can people find you so you can find me on my website, which is thetreehousebakery.com or you can find me on, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook and I'm on YouTube. If you just search on any of those platforms for Treehouse Bakery UK, there are a few other Treehouse Bakeries in different parts of the world. Um, but if you just stick UK on the end of your search, you're going to find me. Also, I have pink hair, so it's like I'm pretty easy to spot when you start <laughs> searching on any of the social medias. If it's not someone with pink hair, it's not me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much for telling me oh, all about no, where thank you, find you. It's because super fun. I am obviously a big fan of all of the things that you create on social. Uh, I'm still yet to try any of the Treehouse Bakery products, but I will. Um, and I'm just so excited for other people to know about it because like, I talk about it with people, but you know, that's a word of mouth and then they can look at it if they want to. But now you can just click the link in the description box. Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. Like it, I, I really, really appreciate the fact that like, you talk to people about it and that, yes, you're using your podcast to help me spread the word. That is super kind and I am very, very appreciative. Well, you're very welcome because I love independent businesses and I think that it's amazing that people work so hard on their businesses and then some people don't even know about it. And then if I can help anyone at least have a have a little look or follow anything it just just makes my day so thank you so so much for coming on the podcast it's been so lovely to chat about all your food favorites oh thank you how fabulous was that episode with stephanie i love chatting to her about all her food favorites and especially everything she's doing with treehouse bakery at the moment 
Speaking of her business, Treehouse Bakery UK, if you haven't already had a look, the links to Treehouse Bakery UK will be in the description box and there will be links to her website and her Instagram. I have loved following Stephanie's business for the last, I want to say, year or so. Um, I think her products look amazing. I have to say look because, as we all know, I haven't tried them yet, but it's on my to-do list. Um, Thank you so much again for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it half as much as I enjoyed recording it. I wanted to say a public sorry to... um, (laughs) A public apology to Stephanie to say sorry for putting her on the spot about the Christmas products. However, I forgot to ask her beforehand whether she could talk about them. But every time I see her post about the Christmas products, especially that wreath, oh my goodness. If you haven't already looked at them, please do. And if you don't know what to get someone that maybe uh, has a food allergy or an intolerance or they're a vegan friend who loves to bake, what about a perfect gift as we are closely approaching Christmas? And speaking of Christmas, I just wanted to let you know that there may be some Butcher Baker Podcast Maker Christmas episodes coming your way in the very near future, so stay tuned. If you have enjoyed this episode, firstly I want to say thank you so much for listening, it means the world to me that people listen to this podcast. And secondly, if you would like to hear more Butcher Baker Podcast Maker episodes, why not subscribe on your favourite podcast playing platform? Thank you! If you have enjoyed this episode and you would like to tell some other people about the podcast, please do so however you see fit to do so, whether that be in person, through a message, on social media, any of that is greatly appreciated. And speaking of social media, if you would like to see and hear more about the podcast, why not follow Butcher Baker Podcast Maker on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok? Because I love posting about the podcast. I am very much on social. um, And if you are interested in that, please check that out because that would be fab. Right, that is enough chat from me. This episode has been fabulous, if I do say so myself. Um, (laughs) Mostly because of Stephanie's amazing Oreo chat. Who didn't want to hear that? I loved it. I love the excitement of food. Um, as you know, else I wouldn't be making this podcast. But as this episode is quite a long one, I am going to say goodbye now. But I hope you have a fabulous day whilst you're listening to this or whatever time it is. I hope you're having a fabulous time and I will speak to you soon. So bye. Baker podcast maker the food podcast series where we get to know a little bit more about the foods people enjoy from recipe favorites to biscuit chat